a song I sing out a love song to Jesus in moments like these I lift up my Savior, Lord, we just humble ourselves before you this evening, Father. 
Lord, we surrender our will, Lord, to you, Father. Lord, we ask that you be glorified in us, Father, Lord. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you anoint the service this evening, Father. Lord, there are many unspoken prayer requests, Lord. Many situations, Father, Lord, your people are going through, Father. And we ask that you're just anointing, just come now, Father, Lord, and heal the sick, Father. Lord, fix the brokenhearted now, Father, Lord. Touch every need and every situation now, Father. We lay it on the altar before you this evening now, Father. Have your will now, Father. Thank you for your atmosphere that is here right now, Father. We appreciate you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all things in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Give me a key of G. Amen. My heavenly home is
Lord deserve a better hand than that tonight. Amen. This Wednesday, and we finna have church on Wednesday like a Sunday morning. Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand. Amen. 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 We're gonna get, I guess, Brother Jason, you're gonna take off up for me this morning, this evening. Brother Joe. Come on up, Brother Joe. Amen. I mean, just appreciate the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to get Sister Amy, if you come on up and sing during the offering. Amen. Come on up. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, to be gathered here tonight. Lord, we could be so many places, Lord, but we're exactly where we want to be. Lord, I thank you for giving us that desire, Lord, to want to be in the house of God and just couldn't wait till we got here tonight, Lord. Now, Lord, let us just put everything we've got, Lord, into this service. Oh, God, we're expecting a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost tonight, Lord. Bless the speaker as he comes, Lord, tonight. And open our ears, oh, God, to receive the word, oh, Father. Lord, may you bless him, dear Lord, is our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.
Just look to the cross, there you will see just how the Savior really loves you today. And if He Just consider the lilies of the field, how much more He loves you. In the beginning of time, you were on His mind when He Just consider the lilies of the field, how much more He loves you. In the beginning of time, you were on His mind when He that we've asked to practice songs. I'm not going to look at everybody, but they know in their heart who I'm speaking of. Start practicing this year. We're going to spread the love and the singing out some. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Let's give Sister Emily another hand. Amen.
trust even when the storm is raging on and song by song I will sing of your great love while you're singing it back to me with the very voice that calmed the sea so let the thunder you roll the thunder let the rain beat hard upon my roof and i'll sing of your glory let the mighty wind blow between the oak trees as i let you steady me because you're right here in the whisper you're right the song. Amen. Let's give him a hand also this evening. Amen. When you're up against the struggle That shatters all your dreams 
And your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. When you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they fall powerless behind you when you praise him now satan is a liar and he wants to make you think we're all paupers but he knows himself we're children of the king so lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen, so the work's already done. Oh, praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. They drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Oh, praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord. For our God in heaven is praise. Praise the Lord. They serve only to remind you that they'll drop power left behind you when you praise Him, when you praise Him, when you praise Him, when you praise Him, when you praise Him. for the word. Amen. Let us stand. Amen. Let's sing a little bit of standing on holy ground. Amen. Let's just worship him for a few minutes. Amen. Before the word is brother, our brother come out. We are standing 
people look forward to Fridays, which I do look forward to Fridays, but I sure do look forward to Wednesdays too. Amen. Amen. Uh, good to have, I don't know if I, good to have my grandma here from Oklahoma. It's a blessing to spend some time with her while she's here. Um, you know, I usually try not to, to <clears throat> preach to my sweetheart wife beforehand, but she definitely got a little sermonette before this. Too low? Thanks, bro. Amen. So I'm thankful for my family. Let's just get right into the Word this evening. We're going to go into the book of Exodus, chapter 17. We're going to start into verse 8. Exodus 17 and verses 8. Amen. And it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. 
So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses. Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were set steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in the book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amen. If we're going to go to one more portion of Scripture, if we turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 60, we're going to read two, two verses. Psalms 64 and verse 5. Psalms 60 verse 4 and 5. It says, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah. That thy beloved may be delivered, save with the right hand, and hear me. My title for this evening, by the help of the Lord, is Banners of Victory. Just right. go before the Lord. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this evening, Lord. Lord, we're so grateful and so thankful just to be in your house, Father. We pray over the reading of your word tonight, Lord, and we just ask you to draw near to us, Lord. And Father, we've prayed and we've studied and we've done all that we know how, but Lord, now we're just relying on you, Lord. Lord, relying on your presence to feel near, Lord. I pray, Lord, if you could just, even for once more, Lord, just come into the house, Lord, your house this evening, Lord, and grace us with your precious presence, Father. Lord, I pray that we could just, Lord, just get a little bit closer to you tonight, Father. Help me just get out of the way, Father God, and love you now, and we just ask all these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Pray the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Take your seats. The, <clears throat> so the Lord's been dealing with me a lot lately on prayer. You know, we did a Sunday school a few weeks back, you know, talking about it being the greatest weapon that was ever put into the hands of mankind. When we can truly yield to prayer... And do it with sincerity, it really changes everything. Right. Brother Gerd Rodewald put together a compilation of quotes by the prophet uh, in a book called Spiritual Building Stones. Brother Matt Watkins actually referenced it a few months back. It's just an awesome resource. I highly recommend it. But one of the passages is named Prayer is the Keynote. If you go to the second slide, Brother Brandon picks this up. He says, Prayer is not a perhaps, a perhaps. Prayer is a sincere thing. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is not to get down, shut your eyes, and thinking about your washing or your work or your doing, to say, Lord, help me and John and heal Miss Jones and so forth. That's not prayer. That's repeating some words. Wow. And I think we can all fall into that state sometimes when we pray where it's just a repeating of words. You're just merely kind of going through the motions with it just to get things off of your chest, really, right? If you move on. It says, but prayer is to come into an atmosphere where you realize that you're in the presence of God and that you're moving 
to then in the deepest of sincerity. Wow. First, first step, the prophet said, first is worship. Oh, Jehovah, how I love you. You see it, Brother Random says? Then after the worship or prayer, then you come with a sincere heart asking, if ye abide in me. Not go out from behind the curtains to the world today and run around and try to get back in the curtains tonight. But if ye abide in me, my words will abide in you. Amen. The first step, the prophet says, is just a little bit of worship. Then after the worship of prayer, then you come with a sincere heart. Then is when you can enter in to that kind of prayer where you're completely yielded to a place where you can no longer be with your own mind. But now you're finding the mind of God, right? Instead of finding to say, Lord, I, I want to I get to the point where it's, Lord, change me to fit your word. Lord, I, I know I have these needs, but I don't know how to, how to manifest them. I don't know what needs to be done. So, Lord, change my ways. Thy will be done is how we taught the disciples to pray. Thy will be done. Not my own will, but thy will be done sometimes is a difficult thing for us to grasp, right? If ye abide in, my, in me, John 15, 7, my words abide in you, then ask what you will and it will be given unto you. Right? Those utterings that you're praying about, that atmosphere that you have now entered into, become so heavenly minded that your words actually become his words. And everything you ask is going to be given unto you because now you've broken into that atmosphere. You've broken into that place where the mind that was in Christ is now laid within you. But there's a step, there's a process that it takes to get to that place. Amen. If we want to bring up that PowerPoint again in slide six. It says, now see what prayer does? Prayer is not exactly bringing God down to man. It's bringing man up to God. See? As you pray, you lose sight of these earthly things. You sway out and way beyond and on and on till you become into his presence. And then a faith that you have laid it out before God said, Now here, God, here it is. And I, I want to get well for this cause, or I want you to do this for me for this cause. I want you to heal me from, from this cancer or this TB or this anemia condition or whatever it is. I will walk before you. I will do everything that I can. I will give this testimony everywhere I go. That's the desire of the healing that needs to take place. I know that sometimes we can, in our selfishness, we can think, Lord, I, 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 I need this thing and I, I want to do it. But then our, our, our mind can just be so wrapped. Well, what is it going to benefit you? The trial is actually going to be better for you to go through this trial. But if our testimony can be, Lord, I want to give this testimony wherever I go. Because anything that happens in this body is just going to be temporary anyway until we get to our theophanies, right? So I want to be able to get into a place where this this testimony is something that I can give everywhere I go. I will be happy to do that, Lord. I will use my life not for myself. I will use it for your glory to help others see you. That is my desire. I want to see, I want to help others see God. I want, I want my life to just be a reflection of him. I don't want Caleb, man, I make mistakes. Oh man, I'm the biggest sinner I know. I don't want people to look at me and my flaws and my failures. Say, wow, you know, the, well, he, he, he testifies of his healing and, and he, you know, I want him to see God in me. Amen. I they believe that's the desire of our hearts. Amen. I will walk before you, he says. I will do everything I can and I will use it for your glory to help others see you. Glory to God. Amen. Our desire, 
becomes finding a way to give the Lord glory. To help others see that God is a Hebrews 13 and 8 God. That He is the same yesterday. He's the same that He was when He was here 2,000 years ago. He's the same that He was here 75 years ago. He's that same God that was in those healing campaigns. He's the same God that can do those mighty things in your life today. But if we have the, we just need to get into the mindset where our mind is now Christ's mind and those healings from the campaign and all the way back to Jesus, all of those testimonies pointed to something greater. And that greater thing that it pointed to was a salvation. It becomes a banner of victory. Amen. Glory to God. I think it might be the next slide, brother. Nope. Is there a picture on there? There. Awesome. The story depicted here is the book of Exodus. You know, when we read here, you know, the Amalekites attack Israel. And I found this amazing when I was reading this. You know, the Israelites here had just spent hundreds of years in bondage in Egypt, right? This was after the plagues were sent. This was after they escaped bondage. This was after the miracle of the Red Sea. And the, the Israelites had actually never had to physically fight any battle up to this point, right? This was their first military battle. They had no training to be in an army. They were slaves for generations, right? No military experience. Yet they find themselves in this place in a battle, so, I mean, when you find yourself in that place, all you can do is trust in the Lord. I don't even, I don't even know how to fight. I, I, don't, I don't even have a weapon. I don't know what to do, Lord. So I am actually needing to trust in you. And that was, what, that was the testimony of these men. All they could do was trust in the Lord. And I thought this was an awesome depiction of it. I was Googling the other day, you know, that's Moses and Aaron and her lifting up his hands. And they're all fighting for their, for their lives there. And it says, it came to pass... Moses sent Joshua to lead the battle and goes up to the top of the hill with Aaron and Hur. So in Exodus 17, 11, when they, held up his aunt, when, when they held up his hands, Israel prevailed. But when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. You know, when the Lord kind of placed this upon my heart, I almost titled this sermon, Becoming Soldiers. Because the depiction I see here is a group of God's people becoming soldiers in the Lord's army. It, but it takes these men here up on that hill, these prayer warriors with completely surrendered hearts and hands lifted up for the newly freed Israelites to win this battle against their enemy. I think this can be applied today as, a, as the young believers or even as, you know, maybe freshly Christians coming to the Lord, maybe early on in their experience. Sometimes they don't know how to fight in the Lord's army yet. They don't, they don't, have, they don't understand the tools. So as they learn and as they grow and mature in their experience, and not to say, you know, I'm not mature. I need, I need brothers like that standing on the hill praying for me to get me through, right? We all need that. But as they learn and as they grow in their experience, they need those seasoned believers to pray them into an experience. Prayer changes things. We read the prophet teaching us uh, the slide, I think PowerPoint slide 9. So, And remember, at the great day of judgment, your prayers will be counted just as much in that revival as my efforts would be to bring them. We're co-workers together in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Is that right? Your prayers. Remember Dwight Moody, what he said when he was converted down there? That little old washwoman that had been praying for him? Who got the credit? The washwoman. 
She was the one that led Moody to Christ. John Smith, Calvin Knox, many of those other great reformers was all come by prayer. They was all come by prayer. He talks of Wesley's mother, 17 children, and somehow still find the time to pray. Charles Wesley, these pillars of Christianity. Brother Jason put in the group the other day how John Wesley had been a hero of his throughout his entire life as a Christian, that the insight that he, that he brought to the Christian world. And what was it? It was a praying woman on her knees that gave her life to God in devoutness because she knew that prayer changed things. She knew that that could just break into another atmosphere, right? Acts chapter 10, we, we read, we don't need to turn into our Bibles, but we can just go follow along. We read of a man by the name of Cornelius. You can take that down now, brother, <clears throat> for now. Cornelius' devout prayer life. Look at the testimony of, of this man. He had such a prayer life of dedication before the Lord that in a vision, an angel came to meet him and said that his prayers had become a memorial Amen. before God. Right. His prayer life had become such a memorial before God. God saw the devoutness of this man, the sincerity. Oh, man, that's the testimony I want to have. Ain't it, ain't it, friends? Because of this man's dedication and his prayer life towards the Lord, he uses his life and his house to bring the precious gospel to the Gentiles. And while he yet spoke that message that Peter speaks in Acts 10, upon them while he spoke. It was, it was all a supernatural series of events that started because of a man who had a prayer life and he prayed before the Lord. And the Lord wanted to use him to honor his life because he saw how much dedication that he had before the Lord. I just thought that was so beautiful when I read that. If you go back to Exodus, <clears throat> when it came time for this battle, you know, it was, it was wartime. Moses had one focus on his heart during this battle to keep his hands up and to pray them through or else that they were going to perish. But when his hands started to fall, amen, and just bring it into the spiritual today, when the weaknesses kind of start overtaking us, when the weight of the world starts pushing down, it doesn't have to be some, you know, you know, once-in-a-lifetime trial, just the pressures of life just start to push you down. When the weaknesses just start to bring you down a little bit in your faith, when those things just start to weigh you down, you know, do you think that Aaron and her were sitting there thinking about how Moses should be doing this differently? <laughs> you know, these were, this, one of, this was Moses' brother. How many has brothers? I don't have one, but I know that if I had one, I'm sure that we'd have a lot of differences, right? They had differences. And I'm sure that they always didn't see eye to eye on everything. I'm sure that they offended themselves at one point in their life. You know, they offended one another. They didn't see eye to eye. But this was not a time to think on those things. If his hands would drop, the families would die. Their families would die. So this was a time where they had to set aside all those besetting weights, all of those besetting hindrances, all of those offenses. They didn't matter at this time. The Israelites depended. They depended upon those prayers. Joshua and the lives of those men and women depended upon it. Your families can be changed on the basis of your prayer life and on your testimony. 
And it, they depend upon it. Wow. They depend upon your prayer life and your testimony to be banners so that they can look at a memorial and point and, to, and somebody can point to that and say, wow, that's God today. Wow. There's something in that person. I can see God in them. Hallelujah. Exodus 17, 13 says, And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Amen. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Now, Jehovah Nisi is the Lord, my banner. That victory had now become a banner or a memorial which expressed one of God's seven redemptive qualities, right? A banner, what is a banner? It's an ensign or a standard declaring allegiance to God, a nation, or an army. It's a, it, it can be a strip of cloth or, or, or some kind of design hung in, a, hung in a public place or carried in a demonstration, Right? Memorials are created in remembrance of a significant event taking place. Amen. We have memorials that are laid before, you know, we have that memorial of, of the, the Marines there at Iwo Jima that, that, that represent the World War II. It's one of the most iconic images that you look at that and you can see that, you know, these men and women gave their lives for this cause. And you have the memorial that's placed in, you know, in New York City where, where mil, uh, thousands of lives were lost and it had waged war on our country. And there's a memorial because we remember those things. We remember the lives of those people. And in the spiritual, we have memorials in our life that signify times of victory in our life. You know, a memorial when the Lord, when, when we felt the pull of the Lord in our lives, when He started calling us. A memorial of us being baptized and taking that pledge that from this time forward, I will serve the Lord with all of my heart. Amen. And as we move through our Christian walk, just to lay a foundation, we have experiences where the Lord, you know, delivered us from these things, uh, delivered us from maybe a disease or an affliction or, you know, many times a mind battle or, or, or something, you know, spiritual in our minds that, you know, many times those mind battles are the things that others don't see, right? Those are the things that are, we hold close to us and many times where we can almost become ashamed of them because, you know, we think that we're the only ones going through those things. But the devil fights all of us on that front. Don't ever let the devil lie, lie to you and say that, you know, your brother or your sister, everybody fights those mind battles and they all fight it in different ways. Amen. But we have those monuments in time and many times those victories in our life become monuments to help us remember back to how the Lord did this thing in my life, how he set me free, how he healed me, how he saved me. But you know, banners are meant to be displayed. A memorial is meant to be displayed for all to see. You know, you don't, sometimes I believe, you know, and this is, it's close to home for me, you know, sometimes our banners can actually just get put up in a closet on a shelf where it collects dust and it really never sees the light of day. Amen. Uh, you know, you can become ashamed sometimes of maybe something that the Lord did for you in your life because of maybe something that, you know, a mind battle. You know, they, they, well, you know what are they going to think about this or what are they going to say? But, but the Lord has placed those things in our life. Remember that the Lord places things in your life so that others can look at your life and say they overcame it so then I can overcome yeah, it. Right. We can look at other believers and say that, oh, okay, they, they struggled with it. Those things that maybe maybe that person went through, maybe, maybe it over 
over there now. Okay, they can go through it and they can get through it. God allows those things to happen to become memorials and to become pillars for us in our Christian walk. Uh, a devotional that I read some weeks ago had this statement and it's really struck me. We need more men and women who don't live life in fear of their past fault or the things that beset them, but fearlessly take the banner forward and proclaim the victory over those things. My goodness, that struck my heart. Sometimes I can just be so ashamed of those past faults, but we have those things, remember, we have those things crafted to, to build your testimony, to, to, to be an overcomer. I'm more than an overcomer. Amen? Well, I just, <clears throat> I was kind of sharing a little bit with Brother Jason before I came out, but I had this time when I was back, I was just a young boy, and I was driving the other day, the Lord laid this upon my heart, I was driving the other day, and throughout my life, I've looked back on this time, but I had never been put back into this memory so vividly as I had been. We lived in this farmhouse back in Indiana, and there was two driveways, one was not really a driveway, it was kind of closed off, and then there was this other driveway, and then there was like this hill. And I was sitting on this hill. Sometimes in the wintertime, we would sit up on this hill and we would slide down, you know, for winter sleds or whatever. And I was sitting on this hill. I was 10, 11 years old. And I had been struggling with something just as a 10 or 11-year-old that the the devil was fighting me, giving me these mind battles, saying that I was worthless and saying that I I was worth nothing. And I had these depressive thoughts before I even knew what depression meant. And I, I, the Lord, the, the devil was just fighting me. And... I believe we all had those times, right? And I, I was just transported back to that time. And I remember, I remember just sitting on that little hill and I was just crying. I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, exactly what to do, but I had remembered back and my parents had given me this, this book, this hymnal book. And it said, you know, it was, and they said to me, they said, Caleb, anytime that that happens, anytime that you're going through this, you know, if you just open this hymn book up and you just begin to praise then it can actually change the atmosphere. And, you know, I, maybe I didn't quite understand at the time, but I did it. They gave me a tool on which I was able to, right. to start off with. They, had, they, they were the ones, they were Aaron and her and wow. Moses in that situation. I was out there fighting. I had not yet become a soldier. I had not yet had the, the experience to fight in the Lord's army, but my parents did, wow. and they gave me this tool wow. upon which now, 15 years, 16 years later, I use that as a memorial to this day. And I look back on that, and I, I mean, every time I'm going through something, I open up, I open up an app, or I open up a song, and I just begin worshiping the Lord. I just begin crying out to him and from that time I can remember now that this is a monument placed in my life where I overcame this thing you know and it wasn't an overnight occurrence it wasn't I just it wasn't I I didn't overcome it on that hill that I was sitting on it took time but I was given the tools on which to do it and that's really all we can do is we give the tools and then we pray with some experience and we lay our lives out before the Lord and then the Lord is able to miraculously do something in the lives of of those around us. In that circumstance, like I was saying, I was Joshua. And in Psalm 60, we read Psalm 60 in verse 4, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. 
that thy beloved may be delivered to save with thy right hand and hear me. Everything changes in the presence of God. And nothing is impossible. You know, and I look back on that even to this day as a banner of a victory that I have in my life. And it's helped me press many battles and many mind battles and many trials to this day. <clears throat> we turn and we look in the Bible and we, we, we have um, this story in, in uh, 1 Samuel 11. And Saul had just been anointed king and he, he didn't really have the respect in the kingdom yet. And Jabesh came before came before um, the, this enemy, and then the enemy's name was Nahash. And this enemy of Israel, Nahash, begins to tell Jabesh Gilead, I will make a deal with you, I won't kill you, but in return, I'm going to pluck out all your right eyes and bring a reproach unto Israel. And Jabesh tells Nahash, you know, hold off for seven days while, and we can, while we consider this thing. Right, we're gonna we're gonna bring this up for consideration. Doesn't sound like a good deal to me. So they went and they sent messengers to the new king Saul. <clears throat> and the scripture says that the Spirit of God actually came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. A commentator on this ver on this verse six says his anger was aroused. This was a good and spirit-led anger within Saul. Yeah. The Bible says. Be angry and do not sin in Ephesians 4.26, but most of our anger is actually selfish. Saul's anger was not out of a personal sense of hurt or offense, but out of a righteous concern for the cause for the Lord among his people. A newly anointed king and these people around me and, and this enemy tries to th tell them, tries to threaten them. He was angry, angry at what the devil was doing. Sometimes I think that we need to get angry at what the devil is doing to try to frustrate our purpose, to try to frustrate our purpose in our families to, and use it as ammo against the enemy, to be angry and to sin not, to use that anger to go to prayer and say, Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver my family. Lord, deliver my son, my daughter, my mother, my father. Lord, deliver them. I say we turn that anger towards the devil tonight. We need to seek that divine fellowship to be able to express, kind of going back to Exodus and, and they're sitting on that hill, to express that, that love, the kind of love where it takes you into another a realm where, you know, those offenses don't matter, those things against your brother, they don't matter. You forgive without stipulation. We're coming to a time where we're going to walk in such divine fellowship with the Lord and with one another, one day we're just going to walk right on up. Amen? And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that day. And I just want to start walking on that road now. I want to start with myself and have both hands lifted and say, Lord, if there's something in my heart towards this person or towards that person, even if I don't know it, Lord, bring it to the surface. Lord God, scrape it away, Lord, and forgive me of it now, I pray. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we, sh we can't let the age of, of reasoning get to us. Many people may never believe that you overcame what you overcame. 
Many people may never believe that you struggled with what you struggled with. That I struggled with addiction, but I found a way out through Jesus Christ. I'm sure many people never would believe that Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed or even believed in demon possession. But as the prophet says many times, it's never for the unbeliever. It's for the believer. And your testimonies are fuel, high-octane fuel, for the believer to keep on pressing in the battle. Amen. It's motivating manna that God still moves in the lives of His people. It shows, like I said, that it can, if they can overcome it, so can I. Your, te- your testimonies are stepping stones for the bride to get closer to their body change. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, working in the lives of his people. I think one of the most incredible things that you read about when you're reading in the book of Acts, after you see Jesus' ascension in the ministry of the apostles, <clears throat> You know, by the, by the testimony of the miracles and by the testimony of the healings that take place, the, 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 the most awesome thing I've, I was seeing when I was studying it the other day was just by the testimony of a healing taking place, hundreds would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When Peter heals the paralytic at, at Lydda, Lydia, Lydda in Acts 9, he says, Arise, make your bed and walk. And they arose immediately. But even more importantly, the very next verse, it says that all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord because of this banner, this banner of victory, because of this memorial, because of this thing, this testimony that was given of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their healings were pointing to something much greater, a healing of the soul, the salvation of sinners. Your surrendered heart could be the very thing. I don't know who said this. and I'm, I think I'm plagiarizing this from another brother. But your surrendered heart could be the very thing that attracts the heart of a seed of Christ. Yeah. Wow. Your surrender. I'm going to say that again. Your surrendered heart could be the very thing that attracts the heart of a seed of Christ. Amen. One of the Hebrew words, I, was, I had this book and I uh, was reading one of the Hebrew words. There's seven Hebrew words, I believe, for, the, um, for our English word of praise. And one of the Hebrew words for it is toda, T-O-W-D-A-H, however you say that. And the meaning would be an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet received. So lifting up your hands in Hebrew of the word praise is literally an expression, a way to convey trust in Him. Now that word is used by Asaph in Psalms 50 and it conveys this. It says, now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you into pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise or toda, uplifted, surrendered hands, glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation all right, will I show the salvation of God. He shows us here that sometimes the very sacrifice of raising your hands in surrender and praise honors God, and then God will show salvation out of it. And those who have forgotten God... He's calling out to wave that banner of Christ in your life, showing the light of salvation to others who might need, who might just be starving to see that, who might just be needing to see that somebody else overcame this thing. Somebody else was able to go through this thing and overcome it. Glory to God. 
A few verses later in the book of Acts 9, when Tabitha laid there in the upper room dead, Peter was passing by, knelt down and prayed. And I was just, oh, just thinking about the prayer that he prayed. That was a prayer that reached into a different atmosphere. Amen. He probably went down with a sincere heart knowing that God, God, God would take care of what was going to happen next. And his expectation met with the divine, and then his word expressed it. And he said, Tabitha, arise. The words of Jesus speaking through a man. Tabitha, arise. And she did. Amen. Not even death itself stood in the way of Peter's prayer. We have, Hebrews 13 and 8, we have that same thing laid within us now. That when we go with the right attitude and with the right expectation, and when we raise up off of our knees, we should be having that same mentality to to say, Arise, to fear you have to leave me. Fear you have to leave my family. Sickness you have to flee. Depression you have no hold upon me. Because the, the expression I met now with the divine creator, and now he's expressing it now through my words, and that thought is becoming expressed, and my thoughts are now becoming his thoughts and it's just intermingling so perfectly blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus when you truly enter into prayer friends oh and then more incredibly in verse 42 that testimony became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord Jesus Christ many the testimony of one healed You know, and that healing, I bet Tabitha went through life. She ended up having to die. She died twice. She ended up having to die. She ended up having to go through difficulties again. She ended up having to go through things. But the testimony of a healing in her life caused many to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to gain eternal life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Your testimonies, saints of God, even if you think that they are insignificant, Tabitha's testimony of her being set free brought many to Christ. Even if you think your testimony is insignificant, it can bring many to Christ. And it can bring many who are with Christ to a deliverance that they are now in need of. By praying the prayer of faith, Peter stepped in as an intercessor... Tabitha was able to have that testimony. I think many times that tunnel vision really gets in our way. I know it does me. Tunnel vision really can get in our way. It gets our focus blurred. You know, it gets our mind off a kilter sometimes. And we have that banner sitting in the closet underneath some books now collecting some dust on it. We feel maybe worthless in the kingdom of God. We feel that what we go through doesn't measure up to to what we need it to. We feel that maybe what we say or what we do isn't much benefit in the kingdom of God, but that is not the way God sees it. The Lord Jesus uses you. He uses your prayer life. He uses your testimonies to display a banner of victory that now once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was an addict, but now I'm set free. Once I suffered the mind battles of depression, but now I do not do that anymore. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy can be plaguing you with those thoughts to think, oh, I can just think about how worthless and no good. But the Lord showed me I am worthless something to him you are worth something to him remember that praise God you are worth something to the creator 
and that memorial or that trial in your life, it showed me that I had access to the throne room of Almighty God. And I hold it dear to my heart to this very day. Anytime, like I said, anytime I struggle, I look back, I can look back on this memorial, this banner in my life. I think we all have those things. Amen. But the promise was never that the fight would not come. Spurgeon says in a commentary on Exodus 17, he says, Nevertheless, Joshua had to fight. Praying Moses did not eliminate what Joshua was doing on the battlefield. This battle was won with prayer, but also through normal instruments. The work of the army led by Joshua. Prayer is a downright mockery if it does not lead us into the practical use of means likely to promote the ends of which we pray. Wow. We get down on our knees, we pray with reverence, we pray with expectation, we pray with sincerity, but then when we stand back up from that prayer, we put on the full armor of God and we prepare for battle. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's not just a metaphor that you look on in the scriptures. You put on the breastplate of righteousness, that means that you're living a life that's righteous to the Lord, that you're living a life devoted in prayer, that you're, that you're surrendering everything and everything that you can to God, that you're, that you're asking the Lord to bring up the impurities and just completely scrape them off the surface. When we put on our helmet of salvation and we, we, we see that, that's the helmet that from this time on I stood at this place and now from this time on I serve the Lord. I had many times in my life where I struggled after that, but from that time on I served the Lord because I have this helmet of salvation. Glory to God. We place the preparation of the daily Bible reading, the preparation of the daily prayer life on our feet and we're shod with the preparation of the gospel. Hallelujah. We, we carry our shields of faith, the message that we have access to, the promise that faith cometh by hearing, and we wage war on the enemy. Glory to God. We get inspired like Saul did to take the battle, to fight with our instruments, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, with intention of cutting every enemy down in our lives. How do we do it, Caleb? Where is the here and now, the rubber meat in the road application of this? Where, while the world is expressing the banner of sin all around us, while the church is expressing the banner of compromise all around us, let's wave our banner of this bleeding, precious gospel that we have a message to take us home set apart in how we dress and how we act and where we go and what we do and how we pray as a memorial unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We wave it proudly. We don't do those things because we have to. We do those things because we know it honors God. And everything I want to do in my life, I want to point to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. When we take a token applied prayer life, we are stepping in as intercessors just like Moses did to take the sword of the word and cut down every enemy in your life and in your family's life. And the moment that we let our guard down, the moment that it gets too heavy for us to bear, we bring our brothers and our sisters in and we have them hold our hands up because we can't do it by ourselves. 
We'll have our brothers and our sisters standing right beside us, holding it up until how the scripture beautifully portrays this, until the setting of the sun, until the, until the master comes back for us. We have people around you to lift up your hands. Wow. Oh, so beautiful. Till the setting of the sun, till the battle is over. Oh, in one glorious morning, it's going to be over. We won't have to fight against the wiles of the enemy anymore. But until that time, until that time, I'm going to fight with all that I can. I'm going to surrender all that I can. I'm going to testify all that I can. And I'm going to wave the banner of victory in my life. Amen. I'm going to pray for the younger ones who are becoming soldiers and may not know how to quite fight yet. I'm going to testify of all the Lord has done in my life. And then I'm going to reach out to those ones who I need praying for me because I don't have all the experiences. I don't, I don't have the answers. Oh, so I'm going to reach out and I'm going to ask for prayer from them. Well, brother, sister, pray for me. I don't know how to fight this battle, but give me a tool. Give me a testimony. Give me something. Give me some fuel that I can just press in the battle. Glory to God. Oh, he, how he's brought me through. Glory, God. The Amalekites, now we do, okay. The Amalekites were one of the enemies that the people saw at Kadesh Barnea, that the messengers went and saw and came back to report that their enemy was too great, right? Yet Joshua, remember Caleb and Joshua, Joshua, because that was in Numbers and this was in Exodus, Joshua had a memorial of a time where he had already defeated that enemy. Amen. Amen. So he had a time to look back on to say, if the Lord did it once, he can surely do it again. Amen. You are, we are well able to overcome it, right? Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Been spitting up here a little bit. Sorry, guys. Let me just wipe that off. Amen. We have our Amalekite enemy today in the spiritual realm. Always looking like a giant comes in like a thief, tries to steal away our families, tries to steal away just, you know, bringing it back to every day, tries to steal away our joy, tries to steal away our victory, tries to steal away our faith. But the army of Israel kept prevailing. And over in Deuteronomy, the Lord brings that memorial back up to say, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 25, 17 says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the road and attacked your rear ranks, and all the stragglers at your rear. And when you were tired and weary, he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is going to give you to possess as an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven, you shall not forget. Remember, the Amalekites were greater in military strength. They were more established in the art of war. But Israel had Jehovah on their side. We're going to fast forward a few hundred years. We read of a familiar story in Esther of a king by the name of King Ahasuerus in the book of Esther who had a close advisor by the, by the name of Haman. A very familiar biblical story. Haman set forth a decree that was sealed by the king that all the Jews were going to be destroyed. When this decree was written in letter form, it had actually spread throughout all the kingdom, and the city Shushan, it says, was perplexed. That, that, that word perplexed, you know, breathless, puzzled. You know, sometimes the enemy is going to attack you, and it's going to be perplexing. 
It's going to leave you completely speechless and unknown on how to fight. Unknown. I don't even know what to do about this situation. Who's been there? I don't even know where to go with this. I don't even know how to pray. They were perplexed. He's cunning. He's deceitful. He, he knows how to keep you living in that condemnation. He knows exactly what memories to bring up. He knows how to get you feeling hopeless. You know, he's the God of this evil age. And by that, his military strength lays within the mind. So he's a master of that place. But God... The promise from hundreds of years earlier was not forgotten. Esther, along with all the Jews, they got really serious about this need. And their, their, their need wasn't something that they could do. It was something that only God could intervene for and deliver them of. They fasted. They prayed. They were sincere before the Lord. She approached the king with the right attitude, prayed up, fasting for days, and she obtained favor in his sight. Haman... <clears throat> Haman, they say in the book of Esther, Haman was an Agagite. The book of Esther tells us that. If you go all the way back to when Saul was king, the Lord gave Saul the command to, to slaughter all the Amalekites, including their livestock. Now remember, the Amalekites are that same enemy who fought Moses and Joshua. The Lord gave Saul now in Samuel... The command to slaughter all the Amalekites, including their, loss, their, their livestock and everything. Yet this is when Saul disobeyed the Lord, and the king of the Amalekites survived the battle for a time before Samuel had to take over and kill the king. And this man's, this king's man, this, his name was King Agag. So Haman, it doesn't plainly say this, but you, you find the Amalekites all the way through Samuel after this point. So the Agagites were a descendant of the Amalekites. So this same enemy that you see fighting them in Esther was the same enemy that you saw fighting, fighting them in Deuteronomy. There was the same enemy you saw fighting in Samuel. was the same enemy that you saw wow. fighting them all the way down back to Exodus. Wow. Right. Now sitting at the right hand of the most, one of the most powerful kings in the entire world this time got the king to sign the declaration to kill all the Lord's people. Oh, but when Esther tells the king of the plan, it all backfires on Haman. Yeah, that's right. You know, many times the trials we face, the struggles we have, are actually the mercy and the grace of God in our lives. I like numbers a little bit, and I think this was kind of cool. I looked through the book of Esther many times. Haman's name is mentioned 54 times in the book of Esther. But Haman, with his title at the end of it as an Agagite, was only mentioned five times. Five is the number of grace, Brother Branham teaches us. This trial was God's grace in their life to bring a memorial so that they could have a monument to place upon from that time on. I wasn't able to, I didn't have to struggle with that. It was the grace of God working in their life. The Lord uses those things. He uses an evil spirit plagued Saul, and it said that that evil spirit was sent from the Lord. But it was for a purpose, and that purpose was to introduce David. Sometimes the trials and the mind battles, the circumstances, they are to introduce Jesus in your life and in the lives of those around you so God can express himself in you and through you. Amen. Love the word.
the, the decree, we have, speaking on banners of victory, we have this decree, but it, it can't be reversed at that time. A, a decree couldn't be reversed at that time in history. But this new decree that the king gave, gave the Jews the right tool in which to fight this battle, right. on which to fight their enemy. In Esther 8, 11, it says to gather themselves together, to stand for life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all of the power of the people and province that would assault them. The seal that had once now perplexed them had now become a death decree from the enemy to say that, you know, we're hopeless now. That This death decree from the enemy had left the Jews hopeless but new, now this new decree had given them a new hope, a new light, a new, a new perspective to look at. Esther um, 8, I'm just going to read here. So the posts that ran upon mules and camels went out being hasted. Esther 8, 14 through 17, if you want to bring it up. <clears throat> being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan the palace that Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel, blue and white, with a crown of gold, with garment of fine linen. And the city of Shushan rejoiced. The perplexing was turned into rejoicing. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's command and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. My goodness, that commandment had now become a banner, a banner that the enemy was, was, was not going to win anymore. It had become Psalm 60, where it said that thou hast given them a banner to them, thou hast given a banner to them that fear them. Glory to God that it may be displayed because of the truth. And that thou may be delivered and saved with the right hand. Wow, wow. Glory to God. Esther 9, 1 through 2, it says, Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the month, with the king's commandment, with his decree, drew near to be put into execution in the days that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to have power of them. The enemy always hopes to have power over you. The Jews gathered themselves together in the cities throughout all the provinces of the king of Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as their hurt, and no man could withstand them, for the fear of all, for the fear of them fell on all of the people. Fear fell on them because of the banner that they waved. Even the weakest of sinner that goes to their knees, the devils in hell tremble from that. Imagine when the bride of Christ in the last day goes to their knees. Imagine the trembling that takes place in the, in the, in the depths of hell. Yes. Glory to God. And it says they smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and did what, that, did what they would unto those that hated them. Glory to God. With what? The sword. What's our tool to fight the enemy? Is it something that we can do with ourselves? Some kind of might? Some kind of power? No, it is written. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Amen. He inhabits the praises of His people. Praise is, is a tool. Praise was used as a tool in my life. Praise can be used as a tool in your life to overcome. The decree went forth. They still had to fight. The total number that the Jews slayed was 75,000 of their enemies. Yet not, yet not one of the Jews were harmed. My goodness. The Lord is always 
going to give you the right tools to fight you. But sometimes we're just having to look in different places for those tools. We're having to look at our brothers and our sisters and what they went through. Amen? The first step is surrender, to lift up your hands like Moses did, to pray and fast like Esther did. Then when the battle rages, then you can fight that good fight of faith. And it says that when you display the... uh, It says that uh, in Esther's time that not even one will prevail against you. Not one mind battle, not one sickness, not one illness, not one anything, not one will prevail against you. Does it say it's not going to come? No, it just says that it will not prevail. It will not, it will not kill you. It will not destroy you. It may come to the time where you feel like you are destroyed, but it will not destroy you. I thought this was incredible. Because of this great victory, the scripture says that it turned their sorrow into joy and mourning into a good day. The Jews actually had set up a feast and appointed time every year that those days should be remembered and kept throughout all generations, every family, every province, every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial perish from their seed. The victory had become a memorial. They laid, they, now they have this holiday And it didn't just affect them, it affected them for generations. And to this very day, they celebrate a feast of Purim. The Jews celebrate that feast to this day for this victory that happened a long time ago. Next year, it happens to be the day after my birthday. I believe I'm going to start celebrating with them. Glory to God. It's March 6th and 7th. Glory to God. That is a banner of victory. Praise God. Amen. Amen. As I'm, as I'm becoming a soldier in the Lord's army, through prayer and through guidance, I'm going to just celebrate the victories in my life. I'm going to celebrate the memorials that are in my life. I'm going to wave those banners. And through the last years of my life, as I use that thing, I will from this day forward, display them proudly. Amen. Yeah. Brother Stephen Coffey puts this in a daily devotional that I, I, you know, we all love probably our daily strength. A few weeks ago, it really struck me. It says, what the church needs today is more men and women who will bring the spiritual fight to the enemy, not just slump back in fear of living a life displeasing to God. I think I read part of this earlier. But fearlessly taking the banner forward and proclaiming the victory over the things that beset us. Raising children in the fear of the Lord, living lives pleasing to God, and raising a standard on the word. Because it says that when the enemy comes in like a flood in Isaiah, that the, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Amen. And he finishes the devotional with this quote in 1953, Testimony Raising the Dead. He says, you, Brother Branham says, you've got to go do it. You've got to fight for every inch of ground that you have. Every man in here that's born again of the Spirit of God knows that you have to fight for every inch of ground. Uh, ground. Toe the mark with Satan. Isn't that right, friends? This is not a picnic. This is a battleground, see? We never come to eat cookies and so forth. We're in a battleground. (laughs) Could you imagine the United States Army training a man to sit around and eat cookies and so forth? 
Why, he gives them a uniform and guns and trains them to go out there and fight and defend the nation. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to defend our God-given rights of what God said is ours. Let's stand toe-to-toe with Satan. Amen. Let's display our banner of victory. Let's take these things in our life and give them to those that are around us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet this evening. Play whatever's on your hearts, brothers, sisters. You know, I'm <clears throat> I'm kind of fed up with how the enemy thinks he can always just take my victory away. Come on, brother. I'm fed up with it, right. and I'm here to wave a banner against him. In total surrender, with hands lifted up, Isaiah says, as I said, that when The enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do with these hands except for surrender them in praise. Except for hold my brother and my sister's hands up as they're surrendering and say, Lord, you see us. You see us fighting down the battle there. You see Joshua and our families, my sons and my daughters. These wayward ones, Lord... Maybe, maybe they're young or maybe they don't know how to fight yet. Maybe they haven't given their hearts to the Lord. But Lord, we've applied the token over them. We've applied our God-given right over them. And so now we, we raise our hands and we display that banner and we reach out in prayer for them. Glory to God. This, division, this devotion picks up. It says, The Lord wants to, to, the bride of Jesus Christ to rally around the banner of the Lord's army. He wants people's hearts to be on fire for Him, to be burdened with carrying the Lord's banner. The victory has already been won for the bride. It was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. What do we have left to do but really display that banner? Glory to God. Will He said, will you in the Queen of Sheba, will you be re, uh, rallied? Or He says this in the finishing of His devotional. Will you be rallied around this flag? Oh, if we could only join in our efforts to spread the gospel, to show brotherly kindness, to dig deeper into the mysteries of God. What could we do as the army of the Lord if we could only wow. do that? Wow. If we could lay aside those besetting things, yes. those offenses... Those, those hindrances in our life and dig deeper into those mysteries of God. What could be done? Brother Bram says in Queen of Sheba 1958, if we can get together, put our hearts together, our efforts together, our cares together, we will get somewhere. Praise God. I want my heart to be on fire for this message. I want to get somewhere. I want more zeal. I want more of God's love in my life. I want to project more of it. And then we'll get somewhere, as he says. Glory to God. Amen. Can we just bow our hearts tonight? That's somewhere, Lord, that we want to get to is our body change, Lord. And anything that stands in our way of that Father, take it away tonight. Those times of battle, 
are not just opportunities. The Lord craves to be in fellowship with you, brother, sister. He desires more than we can even imagine to spend time with us. And it just so happens you have that opportunity, even tonight, to wave the banner of the Lord in your life through prayer, through praise, through testifying of his power in your life, and through living a life that is pleasing of the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just going to be, Lord, both hands lifted up high, total surrender, Lord, and all the capacities that I know how to do it, Lord. I'm just asking, Lord, for a a fresh touch tonight, Lord. Father God, I, I pray that, Lord, I can just get a little bit closer to you. Lord, I can just lay aside another weight, another hindrance, Lord. I can... Father God, be an encouragement to those around me, Lord Jesus. Father God, maybe one needs, 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 Lord, their hands lifted up because they're just feeling weak in faith, Lord. Let us just be those ones who lift it up in faith tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, maybe there's a, a young one in here, maybe, Lord, who, who doesn't quite know how to fight yet, Lord. Lord, he's heard the word been prayed. Lord, he's heard the word been preached. He's, he's prayed. He's been raised right. She's been raised right. I don't know, Lord. But, Father, maybe, maybe we can just intercede for them tonight, Lord. Maybe we can just give them a tool, Lord, to just fight, to just display this banner of, of your precious gospel, Lord. Father, we love you now, and we're so thankful for your word, Lord. I such a lover of your word, Lord, as you take me through journeys in your scripture, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for, Lord, the honor, Father. Lord God, and I know that it was you here tonight, Lord. I know that there's nothing I can say or do, Lord, but it's all about pointing back to you, Lord. It's all about giving glory to you, Lord. That's what I want all the testimonies in my life to do. Lord God, and if there's any selfishness in me, Lord God, that wants something for my own, for my own will, for my own, Lord, let thine will be done in my life and take it away, Lord, I pray. Father, we love you now and we surrender everything to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. What are we singing? Amen. Let's just let's just worship the Lord for a, for a minute, friends. Okay, got it. the vine and we are the branches his banner over me 
just have a few prayer requests we want to bring to the Lord this evening. Um, Brother, Luther says, Brother Luther says, I'm not well today. Whatever has been going around decided to visit me for a bit. Prayer for my son, Stephen. Also, he has been sick since arriving here. Amen. So we'll just be believing for him. Uh, please pray for my son, Jeff, tonight. He has a serious need with his heart in his hand, and he has asked it to be asked before the church. Amen. He has a serious need with his heart in his hand. Amen. So that was Sister Brenda. Amen. We're just going to be believing for these needs tonight. If you have another need, just lift it up before the Lord. I know I've got some. Amen. Let's just go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we once again come before you, Lord, and we're so thankful and grateful, Lord God, for just, just a few minutes in our week to be able to come and spend some time with you, Lord. I, I just so look forward to coming here, Lord, on, to the house of God and leaving all the weights and all the burdens and all the things of life outside of these doors and coming in and just getting some fresh manna from you, Lord. Father, we just are so grateful for, for the privilege. I know many don't have that privilege, so I'm thankful for it, Lord. I pray over the hearts and lives of each of these believers here tonight, Lord. I pray that you could just, oh, fill them up, Lord God. Fill their cup, Lord Jesus. Give them just a little bit, uh, a little bit extra, Father, I pray. Lord Jesus, for these needs, Lord, Brother Luther not feeling well, for his son not feeling well, Lord God, we're just lifting him up in yes, prayer, Lord. Lord. We're believing, Lord, that you are, Lord God, not only our banner, but you are our healer, Lord Jesus. So we ask for these things, and Sister Brenda's son, Jeff, Lord God, oh, what a sincere desire, Lord, with his heart in his hand, she said, Father. Oh, I pray for it now, whatever the need may be, Lord God, we love you. Lord, we bring it before you this evening, Lord, and I just pray over these believers tonight, Lord. Encourage them, give them strength to press the battle one more day, I pray. We love you now, and we just ask it all in Jesus' name. We sing, um, I Surrender. All to Jesus I surrender all.
give myself away. Amen. God bless you, saints. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.